As always, thank you, Randy. Uh, love you, brother. Uh, appreciate you so much. Hey, Church at the Red Door, good morning. Uh, it is great to not see you. No, it's horrible not to see you. Uh, we're, we're pressing through. I'm, I, you know what? I got some reports this week. Uh, we, had a, we had a great Zoom church meeting, and I alluded to this, but uh, I think 11 million people have been vaccinated. Uh, I heard the other day that uh, Dr. Fauci had uh, said maybe by the fall, if there's a high participation in vaccination, that we might see a return to some normalcy in the fall, and that is our hope. So uh, anyway, for those of you who participated in the, in the Zoom uh, church uh, update on Wednesday, we're going to start doing that, and Randy may have alluded to this, but we're going to start doing that periodically, and, and I think a lot of you got, gave us some great feedback. So anyway, we're excited about that. Uh, are you ready? We're going to kind of keep working through this progress of going through the Gospel of Luke, but we've been sidetracked a little bit, but in a good way. We've been sidetracked a little bit by saying, okay, uh, Jesus was tempted. How did he fight temptation? And then how then can we implement the same strategies that he used, which is very simple. And as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've seen the sword. How do we use our sword, which is uh, it is written to combat those things that enter our minds and, and start us down a path that can lead to a, a horror show, an absolute horror show. Uh, I was uh, with someone yesterday, and they uh, I met a, a couple and, and just found out that they had lost their 14-year-old grandson to suicide. How does that happen? I mean, and, and the gentleman I was speaking with, and I was uh, sharing Jesus with him and uh, a little bit, and, and he just said, I just can't imagine. When I was 14, it would have never entered my mind. And it just shattered my heart. It really did. It shattered my heart. How does someone get that far down the road well, there are imaginations that occur in the mind, not any, not too dissimilar from what happened to Jesus in the wilderness. Things, images, ideas, thoughts form in our minds, and sometimes we think, well, this is us. And, and we have to be able to discern whether or not this is an enemy attack on us. Do we grab our shield? Is this a matter of prayer? Uh, what is this? How do I battle against this? How do I use the word to combat these thoughts? so I don't go down a road uh, that may lead to complete chaos, uh, destruction, and maybe even suicide, or murder, or whatever it is that it ends up uh, in satanic strategy. So we have to be able to effectively, first of all, discern, and then understand. So we, I kind of broke these down. If you'll remember, we, we went through appetites, gave you some subcategories. We went through shiny things, and now we're in this uh, overarching category that I've just kind of referred to as throne grabbing. Last week we looked at when you try to th grab the throne, when and when you imagine that somehow you can control events around you, uh, you freak out and it leads to other things. And we're going to look at some of those things this morning. Are you ready to roll? Now we're gonna we're gonna press in. I don't know if we're gonna finish this week and then find or or finish next week. And I'm not going to press it. I'm just going to try to be led by the Spirit as I am here. I have a lot in front of me to try to get through, but I want you to understand. And by the way, when this series is over, and actually it's already up on the website, according to what I understood the other day, these verses are there. So you can go to the website, access it. If you, don't, if you can't find it, uh, call the office, call someone, email someone. We'll be happy to help you find all of these verses. So I would encourage you, rather than, I know some of you take notes, which is great, 
but I just want you to know all of these verses, these categories and these subcategories will be uh, available to you online on the website. So if you get behind a little bit, just relax a little bit this morning. Try to take this in and say, Lord, ask the Lord. In fact, I'm going to pray right now. Lord, what, what portions of these verses might I be able to use so I can effectively counter the strategies and the schemes? The Bible's very clear. The schemes and strategies of a satanic attack on my mind to reduce my fruitfulness, to take me into a place of great despair, uh, to bring chaos into my life uh, and the lives of others, Lord, help me discern. So right now I pray, Jesus, that through the Holy Spirit, your spirit, in fact, that you would speak to us as a church, online community, and you would help us apply, memorize, and effectively be able to walk in this battle that goes on in our head between our two ears. Lord, invade our space this morning. Or if someone's watching later, Lord, invade our space. Speak to us. Help us. Give us uh, a clear understanding of what's actually going on in the unseen realm around me that would, in fact, seek to kill, steal, and destroy, which we know uh, that's what that lion figure does, that adversary. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you ready for this? So last week we looked, we started our last category. Uh, we looked at this uh, throne grabbing, and we talked a little bit about freaking out. I now want to go, when you try to grab sovereignty from God, when you imagine that you can control things, it always leads to discouragement. I don't know if you've experienced that, but have you? are you in the middle of something right now that you're trying to orchestrate and control, and then you're going to control others around you and make sure that they're all in line? Well, you can do that in kind of a totalitarian sense for a little while, but at some point, people are like, well, Jesus called the sheep. Uh, he might have, if, if he'd have, I don't know if they had a lot of cats back in, uh, in the Middle East during the time Jesus walked the planet, but it's like herding cats and you will ultimately get discouraged. If you're not, uh, if you don't have the freedom of not being a control freak, you, it will lead you to great discouragement at times in your lives. And I want to talk a little bit about that. When you grab the throne, it always leads to discouragement. John chapter 16, verse 33. Something I would use. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus is saying, so that in me you might have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So in Christ you have peace. In me you have peace. Now, Again, as I've said, memorize the whole verse. If you struggle or, or maybe struggling even right now, great discouragement. You may all of a sudden, it may be an epiphany for you at this very moment that you've been trying to orchestrate and control all the events in your life. And as we all know, it's impossible. God controls events. God is uh, the overall uh, sovereign one over his creation. We, Of course, there are things that we can do that are actionable steps that we can make. But much of that lies out of our control. And, and so we have to understand that we have to rest in him because in Christ we have peace. And in Christ we hand things over. I think I maybe have told you this before, but I'll repeat myself. And some of you say, well, we know because you repeat yourself all the time. 
uh, I, I had a good friend, I still have a very close friend, and he said this was very impactful for him. And I would say, look, he, he things were kind of spent out of control. He was a PGA Tour player and had won on the tour and, and some different things. And, 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 and he said, I just, I feel like things are so out of control and I don't know how to, I don't know how to get into Christ. You know, that's what he's saying. You know, in me, you have peace. In me, you may have peace. That's why he's come. These things I've spoken to you, it's his word, so that you might have peace. And I encouraged my friend, I said, actually take a step. Take your hands like you're going into the vine. We're the branches and he's the vine. And actually do this in prayer. Say, Lord, if you feel like you're not in peace, in Christ, you're discouraged. I said, I told my friend, I said, just take your hands and feel like you're going into the the very vine itself, into Christ. If you have to take a physical step to somehow connect with your brain, actually feel like you're going into him to see if you can't find peace. And I do that at various points in prayer. I don't do it all the time, but sometimes as a Lord, it just feels like you're way over there and I, I, I've got this chaos running in my mind, discouragement or whatever. In you, I have peace. I know that and it, because of your word. And, and so I'll just do this and, and I'll quote that. It is written uh, that I've given you my word that in me you might have peace. And it's, it's shocking how quickly the, the mechanisms in our brain can shift and change. Amazing. It's just amazing. And again, Jesus gave us this template to battle right there in the wilderness. So how about 1 John chapter 4, verse 4? You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Are you discouraged this morning? Quote it. Battle it. Take up your sword, memorize this verse, and say, well, I can't, you know, my memory's not that great anymore. Trust me, you can memorize this. This is, this is short. It's not Jesus wept, which is maybe the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's pretty short. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you know Jesus? Does he reside in your heart? Have you gone through the new birth? If so, you can quote this. If you haven't ever done that, if you've never invited him into your, uh, into your life as the master and king and sovereign one, then you can do that right now. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I don't know how. Somehow I'm watching this. I really believe in you. Uh, I'm asking you to come in. Forgive me. And, 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 and I would say, and the Holy Spirit will come and reside on the inside of you. You can then quote this. In all, on all truth and all sincerity, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Battle. Fight. It is written, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And don't you think that would have a profound impact on your sanity? Well, if there's a supernatural dimension to our lives, and that's the story of the entire Bible, there's an unseen realm and a seen realm, then we know that can invade our soul and affect our mind in very profound ways, affect us in deep and powerful ways, and release us into a kind of joy that we, God intends us to experience. Romans 1.17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. When we tend to get discouraged, folks, there is, uh, discouragement is always a move away from faith. The Bible says that anything apart from faith is sin. Now what that means is that we're really missing God's mark. So uh, desperation, discouragement is always a stepping away from faith. Now, I don't mean 
in a total sense. Like, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. I, I, I'm not talking about a renunciation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But we all have a tendency at moments to just, you know, I can't trust this anymore. I, I, I'm struggling here. And, and all of a sudden, we get our eyes so riveted so riveted on the seen realm, on the problem, and we can become so discouraged. Then we're uh, like a drowning man and we're trying to, you know, capture everything and fit everything back into something. And then we get more discouraged because we realize we actually have very little causal uh, effect on what's going on. It's difficult. It's difficult. We get discouraged. Well, we have to remember this. The righteous man shall live by faith. Let me tell you something. Uh, I, I would encourage you, use that all the time. It is written, the righteous man will live by his or her faith. The righteous man, it is written, for the righteous man will live by faith. So those moments that you move away from faith, what is faith? It's the conviction of things that we can't see, right? It's the, it's the certainty. Uh, we know exactly. We, we just hold to these things. Uh, we, we, we will cling to these things. It is written. I'm not moving away from my faith. I trust. I know I can't see things. Faith is not being able to see something, but knowing that it's true and clinging to that. And uh, that's so critical in our ability to overcome discouragement and in the attack of discouragement. Discouragement's not from God. Discouragement is from the enemy. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, last verse as it relates to this particular time. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Are you born of God? Have you had a newborn experience? If so, you overcome the world. And the world, by the world, it just means the whole system, philosophically and politically, everything. You, you rise above. You've overcome it. To overcome is to rise above. You, you get to a place where it's not having this deleterious effect on your soul, dragging you back into a place of darkness and discouragement. And let me tell you, folks, uh, some of you I know suffer from depression. I've had moments uh, that I have struggled with depression. Even this last week, I was uh, very, I'm, I'm usually pretty open about this. I said, I have had moments of great discouragement. Times that I just wanted to roll up into a ball and say, you know, Lord, I can't handle this. Well, there's a stomping point. There is a place we can cut that discouragement off and not let it move into a place of great darkness that may overtake us. And especially, I think, you know, in a position of leadership and ministry. And uh, I had, a, had a, one of our guys tell us one time, look, we're looking to you to some way to kind of be an anchor to this vision. And I'm thinking, well, anchor, I can barely get out of bed this morning. I'm kind of discouraged. Uh, given everything that's going on around us, and I just felt, you know, bombarded with all kinds of things, and, you know, some of you haven't been able to connect with, and, and it's just it's kind of discouraging. Well, how did we get here? This COVID, I'm so tired of it. I'm, I'm exhausted. I, you know, and you have to stop. You have to grab yourself and shake yourself in a sense, you know? Come on, Jeff. And then, quote, it is written. What? Whatever is born of God over has overcome the world, has overcome anything that would be going on in this earth. And, and it just, again, as I alluded to on this Wednesday call with, with the church, I alluded to David at Ziklag, and, the, and he was at a place way beyond anything I can have imagined. Their, their wife, their, their, their wives, their children, his own men turned on him. They were about to stone him. Not only was it pressure from outside like Saul and other enemies, 
Even his own camp wanted to stone him. I can't imagine how low he must have felt. And the Bible simply says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. Well, what did that look like? Well, he probably got down on his hands and knees. He probably began to worship. He probably began to, and all of a sudden clarity comes. I can't control this. Lord, I, I give my life into your hands. You're the controller of my destiny. Nobody, nothing can touch me that you don't allow. And if you're allowing something, you're honing me, period. And you stand up, you get back up and you worship. Though you may slay me, yet will I praise you. I mean, quote the Bible, use the sword and you would be shocked for some of you who've never done that, and you, you just don't realize this is a, is a possible way to, to battle. You don't even realize you've been in a battle. Friends, trust me. Use the word. Use the word. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It is written. Are you born of God? Are you born of God this morning? That's a question I'm going to continue to ask you. If you are, you can quote these. Now we're going to move on here now to just feelings of weakness and, and maybe fruitfulness. Some of you may feel like it just feels so unfruitful. I'm not having any impact on the kingdom. I'm just, I feel weak. I, feel, I barely can control my own thoughts and mind. I, I, I don't want to read my Bible. I feel like I don't want to pray. I, I'm just so fatigued. I, I don't know where this is going. Uh, I feel so weak. I'm going to have some of our precious friends at Church at the Red Door, uh, Randy and Donna Storm, whom, whom I have not seen face to face. Uh, since probably last February or early March. Uh, so I am really excited about them reading, and they're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Many of you will know this well. So it may be new to some of you. But Storms, please, I, I ask you, go ahead and read this passage for us, and thank you so much. Good morning, Church at the Red Door family. We are Randy and Donna Storm, and we are talking to you this morning from our home in La Quinta. We've been attending CRD since its second service back in November of 2016, and we're very much looking forward to the day when we can all get back together again. This morning, it is our privilege to read to you 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distresses, in persecutions, in difficulties, in behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Back to you, Pastor Jeff. Now, did you catch that? Thank you, uh, Randy and Donna. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, did you catch that? When I am weak then I am strong. I'm okay with what? What's he say? I'm, okay. I'm content with weakness and insults and distresses and persecutions and even difficulties. What Paul is saying here is that uh, there's a real paradox here in the kingdom. I may be in a place of great weakness, but in fact, a great weakness is a, actually a picture of sanity. We've got to realize that apart from God, again, John 15, we've quoted it before, I can't do anything. So a feeling of weakness is actually a reasonable place to be because what? It, Paul is saying, apart from him, I'm I, I totally dependent upon him. Even if negative things come my way, persecutions, insults, whatever, distressing things come into my life, God takes weak things, empowers them, fills them with his power, and they paradoxically become strong. Are you feeling weak? 
cling to Paul's words here. Cling to the word here. When I am weak, then I am strong. For it is written, I may feel like, man, I've got nothing. I, I'm fruitless. I Now, again, there are places where you can uh, take a reasonable inventory of your life and say, Lord, is there, some, is there sin in my life? Am I missing something here? But sometimes things just overwhelm you that were completely and utterly out of your control. Uh, COVID, uh, everything that's happened in 2020, these things were completely and utterly out of our individual control. When I am weak, then I am strong. I would, I, I cling to that. And I tell you, this, this 2 Corinthians 12 passage, I have used all the time. You know, when I'm feeling weak, I'm going, okay, Lord, you say when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It is written. And I, and that, well, if you don't have access to this and you don't know the word, you just kind of wither away and, and you wonder why. And so again, this is a way to battle, a way to battle. Feelings of weakness, fruitlessness. How about Hebrews 13, verse five? He himself has said, I will never desert you nor will I ever forsake you. I don't know. Can you, is that something you can use? Have you, maybe you're in a place where you do, you've not only not been fruitful, it's been great dereliction of duty on your part. You have, you have failed. Maybe you're in the middle of just really a failure. Maybe you're going through a divorce right now and, and you just are struggling and, or, or maybe you're, you've got a fallout at work or, or maybe there's this other relational problems or, or there's just some things that you have been participant in, and boy, it, it just feels like it's over. And here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. So when those thoughts come streaming into your mind, and you know that you you are connected to Christ, don't let Satan come. He'll say you're not connected with Christ. He's turned his back on you. Uh, he didn't want anything to do with you. Uh, how could, how could you behave in this way and not have God turn his back on you and never have anything? You've run out of last chance opportunities. You have failed so many times, it's over for you. You're part of the you're part of the cursed, right? I mean, those thoughts can plague our minds. And I will tell you, uh, and this is coming from a ministerial person, those thoughts come and attack me at various points as well. Maybe I just, you know, I've just I realize I've just fallen down on this and I, you know, I haven't been a good father. I have, I, and you just began to just feel weak and in, you just embattled in your soul. And you feel like Christ has got to be a million miles from me. He won't want anything to do with Jeffrey Cranford right now. Jeffrey's a failure. No, I'm not prepared to go there. I, I know, I know the word. Paul's very clear in here. He himself has said, I will never desert you and I will never forsake you. Let me say that again. It is written, I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. I will not turn my back on you. And if you, you have to battle that, again, discouragement, sense of weakness, sense of fruitlessness. Are you with me? Look, let's, let's grab onto this this morning. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Again, a beautiful picture, a beautiful verse to apply, to battle back and forth when this, these overwhelming feelings. And, and sometimes, uh, sometimes emotions captivate us. 
and they don't let go easily. I'm not, I don't want you to think there's a Pollyannish view in this. If I just quote a scripture, I can be in a deep despair or depression and I just quote it one time and then, okay, I don't feel happy, this doesn't work. Sometimes you just have to sit in it a little bit and you have to continue to apply the word. And it may take a while, it may take a day or several days or a week. I mean, there, there are moments that the battle rages and it, sometimes it's not just, a, this is not just a magic incantation where we just wave it and it's, everything's gone and we, we go back to being in a happy place. Sometimes there are deep, you know, crisis of the soul and sometimes God allows that to occur uh, because he, he wants to reform you and reshape you and, it, and grab your attention. But you've got to understand there's this balance here. Uh, so, so just continue to apply it. I will never forsake you. Even though it may feel very dark for you right now and you don't see an instantaneous response because you, you've quoted a verse, I will never forsake you. I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. And we see that again here in, in God's admonition to uh, Israel. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong. Again, one of my absolute go-to verses. I don't know, it, I, again, I, some of this I've shared, and I, and I have probably shared it with uh, some of you have heard me tell this story, but it's so impactful, and for those who haven't, uh, for the rest of you, just pretend like you've never heard it. Uh, so just, just remember, I, I, one of the first times I ever spoke publicly, one of the very first few times, uh, I think I had spoken a time or two, but I was invited to speak at a church, and and uh, I was in college, and and and, and it's, I don't even remember who it was. I don't know if it was a male or a female. I don't know how it got to me. Somebody had taken a little piece of paper, and a little torn it out of uh, I don't know what it was, and uh, and it and it had a portion of this verse on it. Stand firm, stand firm. That's all I remember. And I remember taking out, people give me things all the time, books and this and that, and, and encouraging notes, and I appreciate it. But there was something momentous about this, especially in that time, and I don't know why, it hit me. Stand firm, okay, stand firm. And I, I can't even tell you, it didn't have an address for it, it didn't have 1 Corinthians 16, So, but it was, it was something, I thought, I'm going to hang on to that. I didn't know the Bible well enough to know that would have been in 1 Corinthians. But I took it, I put it in my wallet, I carried it in my wallet for years, I thought about, to this day, I think about it. Even though I lost it, I, my wallet got stolen at some point or I lost it or something. But that little note was, carried, was with me for so often and I would quote that, not even knowing at the time that I was actually practicing the very thing that Jesus practiced when he was being tempted in the wilderness. I just remember, and that's all I could remember of it. I couldn't remember, I wasn't be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. It was just stand firm, it was just a portion of the power of that verse that encouraged me so often when I would feel weak and just, you know, I just, I've got nothing. I'm just so fatigued spiritually. Stand firm. And I'd think of that. And I, to this day, I mean, this has been well before I was married. Laura and I have been married. We're going to be married here before long. I 28 years, I think, coming up this, this next summer. Way before that. I mean, this is probably 10, 10 years before that. And this is 30 plus odd years, 35 years maybe. And, and, and I look back at that and it still has that profound effect on me. Why? Because the word is powerful, like a two-edged sword able to penetrate the very inner being, joints and marrow, thoughts and intentions of the heart. So stand firm, be on the alert, act like men, act like women, whatever, however you want to dice, parse that, 
Be strong. Stand firm. It is written. Stand firm. Maybe, maybe you can't remember some of these things, but you can remember that. It is written. Stand firm. Be on the alert. Some of you men, act like men. Be strong. It is written. And just, and you'll feel the vibrancy of a spiritual renewal and the very power of the Holy Spirit invade your soul. You just do. I have done it over and over and over. It keeps me on the path. I fall, but I get back up. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up every time, right? Faith, power of the word. Continue to quote it. Continue to hang in there. And you will see a sustainable journey in Christ over time. With all, with all of our mistakes, with all of our shortcomings, with all of our everything. And this is the way, again, you battle. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always, now catch this, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Where does triumph come from? In Christ. Again, this same thing. In Christ I find triumph. In Christ I find answers. In Christ, by faith, I, I'm able to stand firm. In Christ, you know, just into the vine, into the vine. I'm going to quote it. I'm going to requote it. I'm going to stand on it. Uh, even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't want to read or pray or even be watching this right now, I'm going to turn this off. I'm tired of this guy. You know, he's, he seems excited. He seems happy. It's been a difficult week for me. But when I read these, it empowers me. Why? Because it's not my power. In my weakness, I am strong. Are you following me? See how this starts to, there is a snowball effect when we began to, to, to consume the word and let it just constantly run through our minds. There's so much power in it. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Now, do you feel like you're an aroma of Christ among those who are around you? Have you been an aroma of Christ this last week among your family, among your spouse, among your uh, your people that maybe you're somewhat isolated, but even through media, social media, or whatever. Have you been an aroma of Christ? Or do you kind of, you know, I kind of stunk this week. I kind of stunk up the place. I had a foul attitude. It was, it was a bad week. Strengthen yourself in the Lord this morning. Just get up. In Christ, we always triumph. There's triumph in Christ. In Christ. Dedicate, your this, dedicate yourself this morning. Lord Jesus, I'm going into the vine again, right now. Now, just stop for a second. Maybe you're in a place of discouragement or, or, or struggle. Lord Jesus, I am working into the vine. There's triumph in Christ. Lord, you have not, you have not deserted me. You have not forsaken me. Lord Jesus, accept me. Uh, it is written, stand firm, be correct. I haven't been this week, but I, I make it my intention to stand firm to stand back up, to get back up if I've fallen. Why? Because you're faithful. Lord, even in my weakness, I'm becoming strong. Oh, thank God. Even in my weakness, maybe the weakest week of my life. Weakest week. Uh, weakest week of my life, maybe. Maybe that's in your heart right now. I'm just a, a million miles away from, but when I'm weak, I'm strong. Right. And let me tell you something. This has not only effect on you, it has an effect on those around you. There were a few uh, mornings I got up this morning and I, I, I wasn't a cheery, wonderful, gracious, loving husband. 
uh, and I, I I know that had a, has an effect on my wife, has effect on you know my in-laws who live with us, has an effect on Tess, has an effect on my friends. I, I there are moments, and I have got to let that that discouragement. I've got to flip it, and it's not me, it's him. But I've got to have faith. It's the faith is our connector to the power. It's not our power. It's the faith, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's that, that's the switch that turns. Just reaching out and saying, I believe this. This is how Jesus fought it. This is how I choose to fight it. I know that there's coming my way a new day, a new day of an emotional shift in my own life when I apply the written word. It is written. All right, now I wanna, I wanna go, we're gonna get part way into this. We're not gonna finish the entire outline. I was gonna try to do that this morning, but there's just too much here. Are, are you with me? Again, seventh inning stretch, what do we need to do here? Hang in there with me. We're gonna go into some of the verses on unforgiveness now. Now you say, well, why would unforgiveness be a function of throne grabbing in terms of the temptation? What you're doing when you choose to not forgive someone is you are taking the place of judge and jury. You are saying, I will insert myself on the throne and determine who is worthy of my forgiveness. And that is just not the kingdom ethos. So we've got to understand unforgiveness is a subcategory of grabbing the throne. I just, that person has violated so much in terms of my relationship, my confidence, my trust, now, that doesn't mean you have to get into a business deal with them the next day. But look, the Bible's so clear. If we don't forgive, he won't forgive. Forgiveness is the very, the lifeblood, uh, the, the mercy and grace part of the kingdom. It's the oil that allows us to continue to function as a community. Let me tell you something. Uh, there is no way that I will not slight some of you, uh, especially those that I am close to, I will fail in some way. I will overlook you, and I don't want to. And that's what sometimes keeps me up at night. This last week, I, from about midnight till about 4.30, I just couldn't sleep. And I'm usually pretty good, but I just could not sleep. I had so many things on my mind. I realized I had someone I should have contacted. I, I knew this person was having surgery, and I didn't call them. And I, I just felt so overburdened. I'm going to do something. You're going to do something that may offended me. It may offend me. You don't even realize it. We, we've got this cross thing. And if you're in a place of unforgiveness, you will just always go away and isolate. You will move away from community. You will isolate. And again, where does Satan attack? He attacks the animal, the straggler. He, he doesn't go right into the middle of the pack. He himself could get trampled. But what he does is he looks for the, the weak. He looks for those who are outside the pack and those are the ones he goes after uh, because he is in fact, what? A lion seeking someone to devour. Folks, unforgiveness is a subcategory of throne grabbing. You've grabbed the throne. You determine who's worthy to be forgiven or not be forgiven. You determine the level of the sin against you or someone else. Maybe you've taken someone else's offense. Unforgiveness, we cannot. So how do we find unforgiveness? How do we do it? Well, we've got to know the word. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, okay? But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, and this is, again, Paul talking, There's a, he was writing a second letter here. There was a, some real 
promiscuity going on in the Corinthian church. I mean, they were, they were a harsh lot, as we've talked about before. Uh, they had believed into Jesus, but there was a lot of sanctification that needed to happen. And some, uh, he'd had to cast someone out of the congregation. And he says, I forgive also for indeed what I have forgiven. If I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Why? Why would Paul take a position of forgiveness? So that, verse 11, no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So what are the schemes of the enemy? He's going to say, here's the whisper in your ear. Well, that's the final straw. Or that is beyond the pale. Uh, that, that they have no right to do that, and I will never forgive them. And that's the they don't deserve forgiveness. They're just going to do it again. I mean, whatever it is, you have no idea what this impact has been on my life. You have no idea what whatever it is. That little whisper. They are not deserving of forgiveness. That is the scheme. Why? Because it puts you in prison. We've talked about this at length. You're the one who goes into prison. When you take unforgiveness, it is the scheme of the Satan to make you unfruitful. It's completely, he will wipe you out with unforgiveness. Some of you have still walking in unforgiveness somewhere in your life, and it has limited you in such a profound way, and you often are dislodged from communal activity because the oil of forgiveness is not part of the very core of who you are. And it is a struggle. And you just, I cannot forgive. I cannot forgive. The Bible says you can forgive. The Bible says you must forgive. Why? Well, it is written. I don't want any advantage to be taken of, of me by Satan because I am not ignorant of his schemes. It is written. It is written, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. Well, he hasn't asked me. She hasn't asked me to forgive them. It doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not a function of waiting till somebody asks and then maybe even says it in a tone that you appreciate. Forgiveness is an ongoing process by which you realize we are all mixed bags. We are all going to drop the ball and we have to have this oil of forgiveness. Otherwise, this community will not stand. That's why we have church splits constantly, incessantly, never ending. And there's always a good reason. Someone leaving the church, someone leaving the community, someone leaving, they're all, and in their mind, they're completely and utter, utterly justified unless they were to apply the scripture. If they could quote, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you, you just may need to make that part of your life uh, mantra. I mean, ongoing, forgive one another, just as God has forgiven you. It is written, forgive one another, be tender, kind. I mean, you don't have to get this word for word. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. We, Church of the Red Door will never stand. If, if there's a pettiness, and, and, and it is an indication, if there's a pettiness, I will not forgive, I am done, it's over, I'm out. I, it's a, look, we'll never stand as a church if we cannot be uni united. And how are we united? By the glorious oil of the spirit which allows thing you know without oil an engine just seizes up we will seize up without this dedication to an ongoing forgiveness even when the person doesn't ask us to forgive now again it can alter things it may not mean you want to go into business 
a partnership. If I were to fail in a very significant way, it may, it may put me in a position where I could no longer lead in a spiritual community. Uh, I mean, there are ramifications for sin. Don't get me wrong. And God does uh, bring correction. And sometimes the church has to bring correction. Don't get me wrong. So we're not just saying uh, there's never accountability. There is accountability. But in terms of personal, in between, personal offense, we have to constantly allow ourselves to be tenderhearted, to forgive one another. Why? Because we've been forgiven. Simple as that. Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Notice, an if-then statement for you early programmers, uh, computer programmers. If you forgive others, then what? Your Father will forgive you. Quote that. Battle with it. Matthew 18, 21, 22. Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus says, no, I don't say that. Up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Jesus is saying there, there is not an exhaustible place where forgiveness is no longer allowed. You say, well, that just is unfair. Well, so is it unfair that I've been forgiven. I was a plague on this earth, right? I was, I was out for me. Now, I w- maybe you wouldn't have viewed it that way now, but I look back and saw all the trauma that I caused in other people's lives. I was the problem, always have been the problem. I was the problem. And God forgave me. That's not fair. I can, I can imagine maybe an angel next to, next to God said, that's not fair. That, that's human being. Look at what he's done. Look how he's violated your, your kingdom. Look how he's violated who you are. You created him in your image and he sinks to the, the depths of depravity that he, and, and he causes all this chaos in other people's lives. You can't forgive him. That's unfair. And God says, well, I choose to do it. And then he turns to us and says, now you do the same. You do the same. And if you don't, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're taking a bite of that temptation, which is to grab the throne, and you determine who's worthy of being forgiven and who's not worthy of being forgiven. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers what? Over all wrongs. It's love. We're motivated by love. We're motivated by other people's progress. It's so easy just to cut people off. Well, boom, they offended me, it's over. Boom, offended me. You go through life that way, let me tell you something. You will be in a place of isolation. You will be vulnerable to the schemes of the enemy. Why? Paul, again, what we read. Paul says, I'm doing this because I understand how Satan operates. I'm not ignorant of his schemes. I understand. So I'm forgiving. Why? So that we're not being taken advantage of by an adversary who loves to isolate someone. We want people to come back into the community. Well, they fail. They, they, they fall in so far, far short. We want people to be restored and come back into community. Why? Do we want them to be out? Well, yeah, they deserve it. They deserve to be devoured by the lion. Are, have you become the judge, the jury, and the executioner? We have to be so cautious. What are we being driven by? It's a, a little bit what we talked about last week. We have to position ourselves, folks, in a place where we can consistently and constantly love our enemies, our friends, our opponents, people with great philosophical divides. That doesn't mean support everything that they that do. That doesn't mean you can't vote against a candidate that doesn't hold your uh, maybe a, a level of integrity. I mean, this is not about that. But I still have to position myself in my heart through forgiveness 
position myself where I could speak love and speak a message of reconciliation. Why? Because we're ambassadors of reconciliation. So uh, next week, we're going to look a little bit of a, a sister of this, which is judgmentalism. Again, we're going to look at a few verses that we're going to look at we're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit more deeply about fear. Fear is always an outcome. Fear, deep levels of fear, is an outcome of trying to grab the throne. We began to fear when we imagine ourselves to be in control of our destiny rather than a sovereign God who actually has the ability to do something about it. We just can't control it. We're going to look at, we're going to look at vanity. I'm going to talk about why I think that is part of throne grabbing. Gossip, slander, harsh language, temptation to regard worldly wisdom. We looked at anger last week. We had jumped ahead and looked at this outburst of anger. It's pride and spirit of exclusivity and, and others. And then we're going to bring summary next week to this temptation toolkit. So I hope this has been helpful for you this morning. Again, I, I, I'm not doing it. As I go through this, can I just tell you, it's helping me. It's helping me get through this pandemic. It's helping me not be able to gather with you as a community. It's helping me in some, uh, as some places in ministry. As I just, as this flows through my brain, it just is a constant reminder to me that in Christ, we are triumphing. Are you ready for that? It may not feel that way to you, but you can quote it, and I can assure you that in Christ, we are constantly triumphing. So I, uh, I love you, Church at the Red Door. I look forward to finally finishing this little, this little off, uh, offshoot that we've done off of our Gospel of Luke and looking at a deeper way in which we battle temptation. We'll finish this next week. I hope you have a glorious week this week. Go out and get vaccinated. Get, uh, let's, let's, if, if it's possible, let's get this thing. And maybe in the fall, we'll be able to be gathering in some normal capacity uh, certainly that's our hope and prayer. I love you, Church at the Red Door. Our whole teams do. Have a great, great...